Well, welcome this morning. <laughs> a lot of unusual things happening at Bethany this morning. I don't think we oftentimes sing to uh, recorded music. <laughs> Didn't know if the guy was singing with us or against us there for a while. <laughs> but anyways, today is a special day. Today's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you women in our service. But I didn't want this message just to be solely about mothers, or I really wanted the Lord to lead in it. Actually, I, yesterday I had to come in here and stand on this stand. I, I got to start with a little entrance because I'll probably be done early. But I was standing on this stand. I was like, this is a lot like standing on a ship's plank. And if you walk off, the sharks might eat you. <laughs> so it's a little strange standing up here and trying to keep everybody's attention. So hopefully I can. But this morning, I'd like to speak on the wonder of womanhood and the dependence on our Lord Jesus, because I think probably in the Bible, there's three sections of scripture that we would turn to when we think about biblical womanhood or womanhood as a general. Um, one would be Proverbs chapter 31, so if you have a Bible, we'll turn to that. The other would be 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul gives teaching on how women to uh, conduct themselves with their husband and the church, and then Titus chapter 2. Um, thankfully, our sister Teresa has opened up her home for the last number of years for the young women, and my wife must be young because she goes to that, <laughs> so I'll include her, include her in that. But, uh, and having the, um, well, I don't want to call you elderly women, but having the older women from our assembly come, and it's been wonderful to listen to her share some of those experiences. And then as well, we've done Bible studies together and they've invited us to come and listen to couples as they experience life together as married couples and their struggles and the things that they go through in life. And so the bent of preparing and the nice thing about Bethany here is they usually give you an outline four to five months ahead, but there's also a downfall of that too. You want it to be the Lord's leading in a message like this. So when coming to a meeting like this, you really want God to lead. And there were some ideas that were in my mind, but it just seemed to come up more and more that God was pointing to the dependence that we have on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a storm raging in this world around us. And it's so easy for me to get my eyes on that storm, to keep my eyes on the storm like Peter did. And I lose sight of Christ even like in a morning like this, and realizing our dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And back to womanhood, womanhood is, as far as biblical womanhood, is probably the best picture of someone's dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because us guys are really helpless in some ways. I'm not saying that to belittle us, but we really are the leaders in a way. We don't have that picture other than Christ, which is a great picture, but I mean, I'm talking about an earthly picture. Womanhood is a wonderful picture of our dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. So my hope this morning is for women primarily, but also as men, to go away encouraged from this message and that for all of us, that we will be encouraged that we need to depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, We've had some interesting events here happen at Bethany this week, and they've been announced a few times. Last week, at the end of the message, um, it, you were told not to use the restrooms because the drains were plugging up, and Caleb and I think maybe Brooke as well had a suspicion that there was something wrong out in the parking lot, 
And uh, I, I decided to take a picture of it because Caleb was really busy and gone this week and Brooke's really busy. And somebody at Bethany 24 years ago decided it would be a good idea to bury a washout with some duct tape on top of it underneath the concrete. So this is what was causing the root of our problems out in that parking lot. And that's why it's not paved this week. But it's really turned into a great blessing because <laughs> had we paved this week, had we covered that hole up, and I've seen the man here this morning again, we'd be having problems and having to dig that parking lot up. So going back to our earthly application, you know, sometimes inconveniences in life and problems are not seen as blessings, but they can be blessings from God. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 31 and look at these verses. And it was not my intention primarily to speak on these verses or have some kind of deep theology on them. Well, let's just read them together, and then we'll uh, reflect on them. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. This is the writings of King Lemuel. Um, in the previous verses, I actually don't have them before me, but in the previous verses, he gives encouragement to a young man not to follow after a worldly woman. So he writes in verses 10 through 31 what that picture of the woman that he would say to strive after. And I don't want to you to go away discouraged from this meeting. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, it says, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant, and she brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the staff and her hands to hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she lasts at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of her idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's just ask for God's blessing. Heavenly Father, we feel a great dependence, a dependence, Lord, that you want us to have in our lives. We feel a great dependence on you for our lives. We just thank you, Lord, for this message, for this example of a godly woman. And Lord, we just pray for those that are in our meeting this morning. We just think of the women that are here. We have young and old amongst us, middle-aged, and we don't know what the struggles in life that they're facing and the trials. But Lord, we just trust that this morning that they can see that they can turn to a savior, one that can strengthen them in their weaknesses. And actually their weaknesses might be what God uses as 
to bring the greatest glory in their lives and the lives of others. So Lord, we just ask to bless us in our time this morning together, just thanking you for the Lord Jesus and for what he has done for us in his precious name, amen. So interestingly enough, the reason why I wanted to look at this proverb this morning is because I seen a video, and I had written down that it was three women, but now that I was recalling it was four women, and they claimed to be atheists. It was on a YouTube video, and they were having a little bit of a round table discussion, or I guess you'd call it a video table discussion, about this proverb, chapter 31, and they were looking at it from the eyes of the world, and for that reason, first of all, they were looking at it with misguided eyes, because some of you women this morning here, probably when you look at this proverb and you like, you know, this, these don't even really, some of the things don't apply anymore, like the spindle and stuff like that. And I know there's some of you that probably use the knitting table still or so, but some of these proverbs, they, they, so they looked at these and they, and they looked at it from the aspect of the world and they're like, you know what, we just can't do these things. But I should probably give you a little background on these women. They were actually, it was pretty interesting. Three of them all had religious backgrounds. One was from a Muslim background, and one was from a Jewish or Hebrew background, and another one was from a Christian background. And I said religious because all three of them related to their experiences in their households as trying to live up to a standard in their households that they thought that they could not live up to. And so when they looked at this proverb, and they considered it wise words in their discussion, but they, they were like to themselves, I can't do all these things. But what they were really missing in their point was, first of all, a savior that wanted them to have a relationship with him. And I'd like just to stop this morning. If you don't know Christ as your savior, if you haven't come to the cross, if you haven't come to that moment of realization that I am a sinner before God and I need a savior, can I just stop this morning? That's the first thing you need. That's the first thing these women needed to understand. Their eyes need to be open to the fact that it wasn't up to them to fulfill Proverbs 31. It was the Lord Jesus that whom they could come to through salvation first and foremost that could help them attain to some of these things that King Lemuel wrote down. So back to you this morning. If you don't know Christ as your savior this morning, life is hopeless without him. And I can speak to that my soul because I'm, I'm a, and some of you guys know me close, me in my, in my Bible studies, I'm a pretty anxious person. I might not appear on the outside. I might appear very serious. I might appear very stoic. I'm very, I can be very anxious. I can, I can have, uh, but you know, I care for God's people. I care for people as a whole. But you know, we need God more than anything. And these women, they were missing the point. God wanted, them to, God wanted to bring them into a saving faith and relationship with them so that they could solely rely on him. And so I would like to look at it, actually highlight it. My wife helped me highlight these what are some things that we can do? Because the opposite of this is really chaos or laziness or a lot of things. Bobby was talking about it last week, and he was talking about sin and some of the things in our life, idleness. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad this morning I get a softer message. But what are the opposite of these things? It's, it's chaos. It's uh, disorganization. It's, it's a home that really none of us would want to live in. And, you know, there might be some of you this morning that have these kind of homes. And I can relate as a Christian at sometimes, sometimes my, the earthly or the fleshly nature comes out and sometimes you don't do the best job exemplifying these things. But let's just look at a few of these things. An excellent wife, her husband trusts her. You know, that's one of the greatest blessings 
you know, whether you're married or not, that you can trust somebody. When somebody says something and you know that they can trust you or that they can trust you. You know, sometimes I look back on my life and I'm ashamed to say I made a promise oftentimes to my kids and you don't fulfill that promise and you realize that how, how weak you are. But what a wonderful thing as husbands and wives to be able to, be able to trust your spouse. Maybe a single person this morning, what a wonderful thing it is to have a friend that you can trust, or even greater still, a heavenly father, your savior, your Lord, Jesus Christ. She does good to him and not harm. You know, that's probably one of the golden rules of life that we treat others as we want to be treated, right? What a wonderful thing that we can, as hands and feet of Jesus Christ, we can do good. You know, it's a wonderful thing to serve. Actually, serving Christ and serving others is what brings myself the most fulfillment and joy in life. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to do good. What's another characteristic here in verse 13? She works with willing hands. So we might not be workers of wool and flax like this Old Testament description, but she works with willing hands. It doesn't say you have to do a lot. It doesn't say you have to do a little but she works with willing hands. Verse 15, she rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household. Now, I don't know, in my household, my wife would not like getting up in the middle of the night providing food for somebody, probably. But what that means, I think the way we could look at it, she's just willing to provide food for her household. Now, I have to say for my wife, she likes to be a lot more organized and planned than I do. I, I would just like to have people over, whatever, if it was a, piece of toast I give them. So whatever I think it is that God puts us to that we can be willing to provide for others. Verse 16, with the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. So that speaks of diligence, like they're planning. I think as women and as men, we can be diligent in our life, planning for the future with God in mind and his intentions and his leadings. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. You know, this is probably one of the scripture applications that the Lord talks about the most. And the little that we did it to unto him, we did it, or the little we did to the least of these, we've also done it to him. So there's those in our lives that we come across on a daily basis. Maybe not daily, but we come across often that have need and that we can provide for. And it, the scripture tells us, Paul tells us, that we're especially to do those firstly to the household of faith, or those that need it, that are amongst us. Verse 21, I know we live in a day and age where women don't really make clothing anymore. I don't know a lot of you guys, but I grew up in a household that we wore matching shirts that our moms and grandmas made, and there were pictures, family pictures. We, we probably don't live in a day and age of that anymore, but we live in a day and age where women like to go out, and they like to shop, and they like to provide for their household. And sometimes as men, it's a little bit painful. So you young men that are not married, I, so, I tell you, prepare for that. <laughs> so anyway, she provides for her household in their clothes. Verse 25, strength and dignity are clothing, and she laughs. I think one of the greatest joys is watching my grandma. She got older, and um, my grandma was somebody that people desired to be around. And I remember her funeral that everybody just, and I'm not bragging on her in any way, but she was just that person that she was drawn to. And she was a person of joy. She was a person that you could go to when you had problems and sorrows, and she would focus on 
the joy that we can have in Christ. And I think what a blessed thing that it is to have a dear elderly lady or a grandma that can keep us, or even a grandpa or a man, to keep us focused on Christ and keep the joy in their hearts and keep, and just it's, it's a part of their personality. It glows. It's around them. We're drawn to them for that characteristic. I know a lot of us have work in that regard, myself included. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and so on, the teaching of kindness in her tongue. She looks well the way of her household. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord to be praised. Give her, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. You know, you might feel like this morning that you're anxious or whatever it might be. You might feel like I don't really meet up to some of these characteristics of what a, a faithful uh, Proverbs 31 woman is. But can I point you to the voice of the Lord Jesus or to our God? God is the one that is truly our shepherd that we shall not want. Psalm 23 what a comfort. God's voice calms us. He comforts us. He convicts us when we need it. He encourages us. He also reassures us and stills us. I'm thankful for that even this morning in speaking. You might feel like that you face obstacles in life. And so I would earnestly point you to God and look to him. What's the opposite of that? We see here Satan's voice. He obsesses. He makes us worry. He condemns us. He discourages us. He confuses us, he pushes us, he frightens us, he rushes us. You know, there was a story I read about a man that oftentimes relating to women and the struggles that you face perhaps in the household, maybe some of you work, but so this might relate to you or not, but there was a man that one day he came home from work and he saw his three children outside. They were still in their pajamas playing in the mud. There were empty boxes all over the yard. There was Rappers in the house, the wife's car door was open, the front door of the house was open, and the dog was not, nowhere to be found. As he entered into the house, he found it was a bigger mess. A lamp had been knocked over, a throw rug was wadded up against the wall, the TV was loudly blaring the cartoon channel, the toys were all over, the kitchen was filled with dishes, breakfast food was, breakfast food was spilled on the counter, the fridge door was wide open, the dog food was spilled all over the floor. There was a broken glass under the table and so on. He quickly headed upstairs, stepping over some toys on the way, more piles of clothing, looking for his wife. He was worried at this point that she might be ill or something serious had happened. He was met with, he was met with a small trickle of water as it was coming out of the bathroom from the sink and run over the floor. And as he peered inside, he looked and he saw that there was towels on the floor, soap on the sink, uh, toothpaste on the sink and, and the mirrors. And as he rushed in the bedroom, he found his wife still curled up in her pajamas on her phone. She looked up at him and smiled and asked him how his day went. He looked at her bewildered and asked, what happened here today? She smiled again and answered, you know, every day when you came home from work and you asked me what in the world I do all day? Yes, he said with an annoyed voice. She answered, said, she answered, well, today I just didn't do it. You know, a lot of you might feel like this woman. A lot of you might feel overwhelmed. A lot of you might feel like, what's the significance of being a mom? You know, mom is an easy three-letter word, but for us that are fathers, or for your husbands or fathers or men as we watch you go about your life, you know, I think it's more like this. Really, it's a wow. 
God has God created you with a unique task and ability. And maybe some of you work away from home, and that's, that's okay, because actually in Proverbs 31, that woman was a diligent woman. She sought to buy vineyards and, and land and so on. So we know that this task can be overwhelming, and just want to encourage you this morning to always seek and depend upon the Savior. You know, I was looking up some interesting facts about women. You know, women in general, they speak a lot more words than us men every day. <laughs> in fact, they speak more than double the words that we speak every day. It's uh, accounted that women speak 20,000 words a day. And some, some of us men, I guess my wife and I have some opposites in this regard, but most of, these, most of us as men, as you come home from the day, you don't really want to talk. And men speak about 7,000 7, words a day. But sometimes we just need to listen and stop and listen to our wives. Sometimes we need to stop and listen to the young dear sister, the single lady, and be there for her in life. You know, it's, it's also a statistic that says women spend, during their lifetime, they spend a whole year deciding what they're going to wear. So if you live 80 years, <laughs> you're going to spend a whole year deciding what you're going to wear. For me, I wish it was just one day because I do better when my wife helps me out in that regards. Um, God designed women with stronger immune systems. A lot of these things would be attributed to having babies and being able to bring in life to this world. But God just designed women with stronger immune systems. This is one that I'm that I remember as a child in school that I was always frustrated with. Women are smarter than men, or they develop faster than men. Um, initially, I guess later on maybe we catch up. But I remember they always used to frustrate me in school that the girls always did better than you. Or another thing that women do better is they're, they're good at recognizing things. You know, I, I used to hear, or I still hear conversations that my wife and Gabriella and my other daughter have sometimes about, they see, uh, how the women's hair is or how the guy's eyes look or these facial characteristics. And I'm like, I didn't even see things like that. So women pay attention to detail differently than men. And for that, we need that because they see things that they can encourage in other people's lives or they might see some hurting that's going on in people's lives. So I just want to encourage you and thank you for that. Women are more likely to survive injury and trauma. And that's probably also with childbirth. Um, some of you have had babies this past week, and each one was probably a different experience. And probably when that baby was coming out, you looked at your husband and you wanted to yell. I'm like, why did you get me into this mess, I imagine? But you bring life into this world, and we are thankful for that. You know, you think about the baby as it grows inside of a woman. It starts out very small in cells and develops into the shape of a watermelon that the biologist, and that watermelon moves around. It doesn't sit still. And usually when you want to sleep, the baby wants to be awake. Or when you're wanting the baby, when you're wanting to show your husband the feet that they're moving, the baby doesn't want to move. Or maybe they just want to stay inside too long when they're being born. Or maybe they come way too soon. I know I've had, I have friends that were born premature, four or five months, barely, barely lived. I think of one of my friends that was born at five months He's a miracle baby, so in whatever way, life is a miracle. Women are able to experience a high endurance of pain. They said that when, this is a funny thing, you've probably seen videos before of when men try to wear those contraction belts. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but they say when a woman has a contraction, it's equivalent of 400 PSI. So that sewer pipe that's out there right now can withstand 
around, well, a two-inch water pipe can withstand around 200 PSI. And we were actually talking about water pressure when we were coming this morning for some reason. Jace always looks at this certain water tower and reminds us of what he thinks it looks like. And I was describing because sometimes my, my women are a little, I say blonde, I don't mean that as a fence, but <laughs> they're a little slow when it comes to that. So I don't, I, I'm sorry, I should back up. I don't, I don't mean, but they just don't understand things that us men do. But the, the amount of pressure that comes down from that water tower is the equivalent around somewhere, the water, larger water mains is 400 PSI. And they actually have to encase those in steel because the plastic isn't strong enough. So women are able to experience a high amount of pain. And it's funny to watch those men wear those contraction belts because they get to about 60 or 70% and they're done. They got to turn it off. Women have much better muscle endurance than men. Studies have shown that women can exercise about 75% longer than men, and they're more efficient in their metabolism. It's probably no, um, and not, this is not a message to just focus solely on women, but I'm just sharing these things, but it's probably no surprise to people when this woman, I think it was the Boston Marathon, I don't even remember her name, she tried to run the marathon and they tried to stop her. And you know, when my wife has run a few races and she's, she's not fast, but you know what? She's slow and consistent. I'm more of a, of a fast runner, and I just can't finish those longer races. God made you and designed you in a way that you can endure things that, as men that we couldn't endure. But you know, this morning, there's many of you that probably feel like, I don't really feel like a wow. I really don't feel, I don't really feel like, you know, I don't even feel like I'm lovable right, my, right now myself. Could God really love me? You know, in Psalms 139, verse 13, it says, For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You know, it was a, a blessing to see four new babies this week, just to be in awe of the miraculous life that is brought into this world. We have twins and other parents that had each a child, and just, just a wonderful thing to see that as life is brought into this world, it says in Ephesians 2 and 8 that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2 and 8. You know, we might not feel like this is really applies to us. And we really, in the eyes of God, we are, we are, as it were, finite. But you know, there is a, a study that was done of genetic coding on DNA and they said there's plenty of evidence to show and prove God in DNA and genetic coding. And one of them is we each have DNA inside of our cells. And we have millions upon millions of cells. Cells are what give us life and breath. And each DNA has a right turn to it. And it has these little bridges, and I think they're called sulfuric gases, that these bridges, and you've probably seen them before. And I don't know if you can see it up there. It's kind of a representation of it that there's a certain sequence at which this DNA happens. It's every 10, 5, 6, 5. And it doesn't matter if you go forward or backwards, it's 10, 5, 6, 5. And it just so happens that this sequence also links up, when you look at the Hebrew alphabet, and you take the number for which each, co or for each, um, sorry, for each one that happens, it represents this, Yahweh. This is the original spelling of Yahweh. And actually, Antonio this morning is, in his sharing mentioned Yahweh. 
Yahweh was something that was to declare the Most High God. So it's as if it were, and if you took all your DNA inside of your body, it would be enough to go around the entire world. So it's almost as if God has imprinted on your DNA, I am your God. I am your God. You are created in my image. And you know, even more so, I saw somebody, and maybe people would say I'm reading too much into this, but try this with me. Take a breath. Do it again. And listen to it as you do it. The very breath you take, it's almost the pronunciation or the, the word Yahweh. It's almost as you breathe, as the human response is, we're crying out to God, Yahweh. You know, if you're not saved this morning, again, like I said in the beginning of this meeting, you need a savior. You need this Yahweh. He is a God that loves you. But you know, unless you know him as your savior, he is not your God. Right now he is, you're as it were as his enemy. But because of the Lord Jesus dying on the cross, sin, we read in Romans 3, verse 23, it says, for all have sinned, we're all separated from God, we're all born in sin, and we need God. And unless we've been saved by grace, through faith, through Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we're separated from him. And you know, it's as if it were that God has imprinted on your heart his impression. So I just want to encourage you with that, that God, as it were, in your DNA has stamped his name on you. You know, in speaking, I was thinking of the women that follow Jesus or that were delivered by him. There was a few different women in the Bible that were delivered from their sin or delivered from their ways of life. And probably the most well-known one would have been Mary Magdalene, the one that was the Lord Jesus could come alongside of her life. She had these demons inside of her. She needed somebody to deliver her from her sin, this bondage that encased her in her life. And, you know, we find her later on as being the one that would come to Jesus and bring this expensive perfume and wash his feet with her, the, the hairs of her head and her tears and this perfume. You know, it's oftentimes people that have been delivered the most in life that appreciate Christ the most. And there were others. There was Mary that was the mother of one of the disciples, Joseph and uh, James, that is, and Joseph and Salome's brothers. You know, she provided financial means to Christ's ministry. Christ didn't need her financial means. And it also, actually, Joanna, uh, the wife of Chusa and Susanna as well, also provided financially. God didn't necessarily need their financial means, but because they were willing to give, he used it for his glory and honor. So whatever it might be that you have in your life, God can use it as well. You know, Joanna would have been the wife of a wealthy man, the Bible tells us. So she had means to do it. We don't know about Susanna. She was probably a little bit more of a poorer lady. But God used them both. And one probably gave more than the other, but God used them both. And then there's, you probably remember the woman at the well. The Lord Jesus found this woman in the time of the day when nobody would be out there at that well. She was out there because whether it was shame whether it was the scorn of the world, whether she was told to be, she was out there at this well all by herself. And you know, there was a Savior that was ready to meet her. There was a Savior that showed her the love of God. There was a Savior that showed her that he knew all about her. He knew all of her weaknesses. He knew all of her sins. But he was the one that wanted to forgive her the most. This wouldn't be a woman that would be delivered from Christ. And then in the Old Testament, we have Rahab. Because she believed the spies... She was delivered and her family 
from the destruction of her city. And Rahab would later be one of the lineage of Christ. So you might be like maybe some of these, you maybe could find yourself in the picture of some of these women and you say to yourself, I just don't really feel like somebody that's useful or could be useful for God. But God doesn't call a qualified. He calls us just to be willing to serve him. You know, maybe you're a younger, I'd like to bring it back to the audience this morning. You know, as a young girl, you enter into womanhood. And even as a young guy, let's just relate even to the guys in a way. And it, life is difficult. You know, we're not oblivious to that. And even as older ones, we had troubles and struggles when we grew up, but we realize that the struggles and the struggles and troubles that you are dealing with are different than what we dealt with. But that's what I want to point you to this morning is the dependence that we have on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're facing the scorn of the world. Maybe you're a young girl and you're going through physical, mental, emotional changes, becoming a woman, and you're frustrated. Maybe it's, maybe it's even the hormones that sh- that's going on in your life, and you feel like that nobody understands you. Can I point you to the Savior that understands these things that are happening to you? You know, maybe even your own parents don't understand you. You know, as your, parent, as your children become teenagers and adults, it's that, that whole bridge that starts to happen, that gap that starts to happen, and you just feel so helpless. And all you can do, all we can do is point you to Christ. All we can do is pray and turn you to Christ. But maybe you need somebody to draw alongside of, and there's women here that would like to do so. Maybe you're a young woman this morning that I want to tell you that you have a heavenly father that cares about you. He knows the changes you're going through. He's touched by our infirmities. Maybe you don't even love yourself at times. We read about this. Unfortunately, young women that are made fun of from the eyes of the world and they take their lives. Can I point you to the good shepherd that knows the struggles and weaknesses and he's touched by your infirmities and your feelings? Young man as well. You know, you're, you don't have to be lost in this and helpless. Christ can meet this need. Maybe you're a young sister this morning. The friendships that you have and the value of your beauty and the sense of your beauty and the young men that you're trying to appease to, God sees you. God doesn't, see, God doesn't ask you in your strength. God doesn't say, in your strength, my perfect is made strong. No, it's in your weakness that we are to run to him. Maybe you're a single, Christer this mo- single sister this morning. You're feeling left out. You see others around you getting married, moms that have children. You don't feel like you quite fit in. Christ loves you than greater than any man can. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that that might not happen in your time, but even us as married ones, we have these moments in life, and not even our spouse can fulfill that longing of our hearts. We have to turn to the Savior at times. And what a blessing it is in our weaknesses to turn to him. So I want to point you to him. Maybe you're a stressed out mom at your wit's end, feeling the shame of balancing time with your husband, your children, trying to put out fires, keep everyone clothed. Maybe the shame of idleness, too much time on social media. Christ is made perfect through our weakness. He didn't say, my strength is made perfect in your strength. Lay it down before him. He is ever ready and willing to help you. Maybe you're a middle-aged or an older woman this morning, and you don't like the changes going on to your body. The white hairs, the wrinkles. I often tell my wife, I feel like I'm starting to look like Elmer Fudd. (laughs) 
I got all these wrinkles. I'm like, what am I going to look like at 80 years old? And you get these balding areas going on. And we don't, and as men, we can joke about them. But I know for you, some of you women, as you age, aging isn't so graceful, is it? <laughs> it's not so fun. But you know, there's a Savior that loves you in these times of needs as well. Maybe you're having body insecurities, even with your own husband. And I would ask, and I know a lot of men, you're patient with your wives. But maybe there's a man this morning or a wife and you're having a conflict of interest with each other because of this. And I would urge you to, to just to seek to be patient. And dear wife, don't put off the, uh, as it were, the bidding of your, your husband. Don't, don't put, try not to put off his, as he tries to seek to uh, give you words of affirmation and encouragement. Let him say those things to you and show them your appreciation. I think men, more than anything, we seek to want to honor our wives. We seek to want you to be uplifted, to be encouraged in your lives. So may I just encourage us all to be pointed to the Savior. I forgot to move on there. You know, I was thinking in verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 12 and verses 7 through 9, it says, even though this is Paul, he's talking about, and actually John and Revelation, they were both had experiences in their life that they could have got proud or boastful for. And God reminds them both. And in, in, in 2 Corinthians 12 here, Paul reminds us that God gave him this thorn in the flesh so he wouldn't become proud. And in this, in verse 9, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I'm now glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. You know, men... I want to encourage you again to encourage your wives. Men, encourage other men around you through our weaknesses. Women, may you find strength in God, our Savior, in these weaknesses. You know, men, we deal with similar thoughts and struggles, but we deal with them in different ways. And maybe there's some of you this morning that you're older. And that's not like what's going on in the world with ruining history and apologizing and for all that that I, I'm trying to get to, but... Maybe you didn't have the best experience with your pictures of motherhood or fatherhood or grandfatherhood or grandpahood. And you know, quite frankly, to be honest, at times I'm, I'm quite embarrassed. Like, as a parent, you sometimes you seek to discipline your kids, but you, you forget about that factor of love. You know, maybe there's some of you older this morning, and you've had that life, that hard life, and you've become so hard, and I didn't really wanted to deal with this gingerly, that maybe you're, as it were, just a little too crusty in life. And I would just encourage you, can I ask for forgiveness for you, for what it is in the past that maybe that others have done to you? Maybe it was, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a home that that structure wasn't properly displayed. Maybe it was a dad that was seeking to, 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 to do all these things, but he left out maybe the factor of love more than he could have. You know, I just want to encourage you this morning back to our Lord Jesus. He is the one that we can be encouraged through. So I would leave you with this. Satan's voice, it obsesses us, it worries us, it condemns us, it discourages us, it confuses us, it pushes us, it frightens us, it rushes us. You know, we are so weak. I was uh, reading in William McDonald's commentary, and I underlined it a few things. 
I underlined this. It says, notice that God says, my grace is sufficient for you. We don't, ask, we don't have to ask him to make his grace sufficient. It already is. And thank God for that. You know, we are so weak. We, you know, I enjoyed Adam's message last year about inviting the vine. You know, we talk about laying down your cross. You know what a lot of that is? We just need God. Plain and simple, we just need God. You know, we're trying back to the three women or the four women in the beginning. We, we can't live up to all the means of the law. Although we should, as we grow in our lives and become more sanctified, yes, we're going to sin less. But without the strength of God, we can do none of these things. Successful service to Christ, for Christ depends on a weak servant. The weaker he is, the more the power of Christ you know, there was a lady that was the wife of a very successful businessman. And with this and one other thing, I'm going to end. And you know, you'd think as a wife of a successful businessman that she could have just enjoyed the leisure of life. But for whatever reason, she wanted to be diligent in her life. She wanted to be meaningful in life. But it seemed like, and her name was Emma, I am not even know how to say the last name. It's like Polish, Pienczyk the wife of a Polish nobleman, she led a long life of frustration and disappointment. It seemed like everything she tried, for some reason, didn't work out. And she was trying to do it with God's guiding. But one of the men that worked with her in life, that wrote a book about her life, said, the most beautiful thing about her is that she made magnificent bouquets out of the refusals of God. Isn't that an amazing statement? So I, again, going back and finishing up this morning, I just want to be encouragement to everybody this morning, not just to the women, to encourage you to point you to the Savior, a perfect example. But you know what? Life doesn't always work out like we want it, does it? And sometimes we just got to make bouquets out of the refusals of God. But if we understand this, that God loves us, that his intentions for us are good, and as he says, he is the reward of those that diligently seek after him. We will, re, we will understand that his refusals, the hardships in, we, in life, are bouquets in his eyes. They're bouquets that we realize that were blessings through the trials that we go through. Naturally speaking, it's quite impossible for us to take pleasure in these types of experiences. And that's why we need to depend on a savior. I just want to leave you with this and then we're going to pray. So this hasn't been necessarily, I didn't try to mean this message to be a self-help message this morning, but I wanted it to be an encouragement to everyone that we have a God and Savior that loves us. We heard about last week about sin. Like Bobby said, it was a message that was very hard to deal with and the consequences of it. But that's the beauty of God. He is a balanced God. He is a just God. He is a righteous God, but he's also a loving God. And that's the message I want to convey this morning. Greg Lowry who is a pastor out in California, wrote this. There will never be another you, not if the world went on spinning for another million years. God has a special plan and destiny for your life, and no one else in the universe can fulfill that plan. Whatever you have gone through in your life as a Christian is preparation for what is still ahead. God is preparing you for your life on this planet and for eternity to come. Let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for a loving Savior. Thank you, Father, that we have someone that we can point others to, that in our weaknesses we can find strength.
And Father, that we need you. You reminded us that you are the vine and we are the branches. And if we don't have that vine, the branch can't live. And Lord, we just thank you that following you and laying down our cross is a beautiful thing. It's something that maybe as men and some of us that or those that are stronger or would try to react by the flesh, we seek to do our own way. But we thank you that our weakness is the way that God's strength is displayed. So Lord, we just pray in a special way if there was hurting hearts this morning, that they were able to hear words of encouragement of our utter dependence and need for you. We just thank you this morning for wives in our midst and their service to their husband. We just thank you for young women this morning, singles. Thank you for teenage girls and women that are coming of age. Help them through their struggles, Lord, we pray, and young men as well, as they deal with the poles of the world and the struggles of the world. Lord, we just pray for our elderly women and men as well. We don't like these parts of life, but we just thank you that you use our infirmities as ways to draw us closer to you, ways that we have to be dependent upon you. We just thank you for everyone that's here this morning. But Lord, we just pray that anybody does not know Christ as their Savior, that they would realize first and foremost they need to come to the cross. They need to understand that their sin separates them from God. And they need to simply, by faith, repent and turn to him and take their strength and rest it in the strength of the Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you for everybody that's here this morning and ask to take us to our homes in safety as we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day to you all this morning.